Welcome to the Master Slave Lifestyle Podcast. Here we'll interview real people living the real Master Slave lifestyle, all consensual and all in different ways. And in this episode... The slave is not just a slave, but it's also a well-rounder human being. I mean, like, why why would we do anything? It's because we like it. Um, Because the MS relationship is very unique. This is masterslavelifestyle.com. Hello everyone, I'd like to introduce an amazing master and Mr. SF Eagle Leather 2022 winner, Master Guy. I first met Sir four years ago um, over a very nice dinner where we spoke about everything to do with Master Slave and ever since then we've kept in touch and it's with great pleasure that I have him for this episode. Sir, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Slave Phil, and uh, I would say that... um... It was very much a pleasure for me as well to meet you. Um, And um, I would say that it is an amazing slave too. And unfortunately, he lives in Berlin and I live in San Francisco. Thank you, sir. So for the first thing, could I get you to introduce yourself to the audience, please? Um, Sure. Well, like you said, um, I am the current Mr. SF Eagle Leather 2022. When did you first realize you were a master? Uh, I would say that it was after, I think it must have been, I'm 52 now. I think it was 45, sometime after my late partner passed away, I started um uh doing a little bit more uh self reflection and and seeing i i had to um look more into my identity for the longest time i identified as a bottom as a boy tried being a slave but none of that really fit me and so after my late partner passed away, I um, thought, well, you know what? Let me let me look at this other aspect and see how I feel about that. And um, I, I think it also came about because uh, for a very long time, my friends were telling me that I'm not a, a bottom, a boy, or a slave um, because of my personality. And um, and what really helped me was um, once I joined the um, local San Francisco chapter of the uh, Masses and Slaves together and listening to what other people had to say. Um, and then I slowly tried um, experiencing what it feels like to dominate, and it felt really comfortable. Um, I think in the past I, I had this misconception of of what you had to do certain things to be considered as a master like you have to you have to really love fucking for example and also that masters i don't know where i got this idea but for some reason i thought that masters cannot enjoy nipple play oh really yeah i don't know why because i guess i was i i don't know why somehow i thought that because I loved her my nipples played with, and for some reason I thought that was a bottom thing. You know, I don't know where that came into my mind, but that was what I thought. Then later I talked to other people who were doms and tops and sirs and masters, and they said, Well, no, I enjoyed that too. I thought, well, okay, you know, um I should you know, I should give up that misconception. Yeah. I I find this really interesting because I'm sure many people when they're first making these steps into being either master or slave, there's a lot of these misconceptions. Absolutely. So yeah. um how did you go about, let's say, um you know, realizing that it was a misconception and then going, Well, actually I am gonna have my nipples played with or actually I don't have to worry about fucking all the time. Well, uh, how I how I came to understand my likes and and not think that it that that has anything associated with being a sub is by talking to other masters and other slaves and getting their 
you know, getting their feedback. And I have to say, I mean, one thing I really learned was that it's not so much. Well, I, I suppose some people would say that being a dom does relate to certain activities you do. You know, being the active, uh, uh, being on the active side of like um, throwing a whip, or you know, some people still think that. I mean, to a certain extent, I suppose that is somewhat true, but not necessarily so. Um, and for me, it's more the mindset of really about authority exchange, taking control. For me, that's what MS is about, you know, um, more so than doing any particular activity. I mean, these days, I somewhat enjoy fucking, but that is not my main interest. Um, like a lot of a lot of uh, submissives or slaves would ask me, what do I enjoy doing and what kind of place I like? I mean, I have a few favorites, like nipple play. Um, but most of all, I would like to know what the slaves, where, what are the, the hot buttons of the slaves? That way I can use that to my benefit and control him that way, or control it that way. So for you, understanding the slave is also a way of then being able to control the slave a bit better. Oh, and, yes, absolutely. Uh, but you also get pleasure from that as well. Oh, yes, yes. I get a lot of pleasure seeing that I can um, I can control the submissive or the slave through its enjoyment. And I mean, it's. I think it's um, perhaps it's a devious way of con- controlling the slave by by controlling how I deliver pleasure to it by knowing what kind of pleasures it enjoys. And uh, I mean, you know, I mean, one of the things that I enjoy a lot is, especially when I'm hurting the slave, um, the sounds that it makes, the, the moans and the 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 um, the verbal. Uh, please and um the cries and the the screams but uh, and when i mean you're 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 saying that it's about that the slaves having a good time not that the slaves having a bad time but the screams or the the things you know that that they're enjoying this process even if it's hurting a little oh yes yes i mean i think it's important that we both have a good time it's not just about me having a good time although um what I do, what is a turn on for me is knowing that the slave's um, priority is there to please me, is to make sure that I am enjoying myself. But of course, in return, I enjoy seeing the slave enjoy itself too. If I may jump in here, I say it's, uh, I mean, the slave and master um, relationship is, is very synergistic. And and um, for me to have a good time, it has to have a good time too. So it, it goes both ways. I mean, you know, often it's been referred to, um, you know, it's it's a dance, really. You know, it's you know we have to move in unison. And, and in terms of let's say your journey from thinking you wanted to do something in this area to what you're talking about now. What were some of the, let's say, the major learnings you had? What were the, some of the, the insights that really made you go, this is for me? I mean, I cannot remember exactly when the moment when I said, aha, you know, I'm a master. I mean, I suppose I, could have, I should have written down the date. But, <laughs> but it, was, it, was a, it was a process. It's a coming out process. I mean, I, I, oft, I often say I have three coming outs in my life. One is coming out as being gay. The second is coming out identifying that I have a fetish, a leather fetish, identifying as a gay leather man. And then the third is identifying as a gay leather master. So the, the, the master part came in last. Um, but what really helped me, 
identify as a master. As I mentioned before, I I joined the Masters and Slaves together uh, San Francisco chapter group. And, and, and this this is mass.net, isn't it? Uh, that you're talking about. Yes, so is correct. this something different? Mass, mass.net, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, through there, I um, uh, they have a website and it lists uh, many different chapters. San Francisco is one of the chapter. I believe it was actually a founding chapter, but I have known about the group long time ago. You know, when I first came out, um, and uh, I had joined the group when I was younger, and I didn't get much out of it. I suppose I wasn't ready. But this time around, um, I knew some people in the um, community, and then I went through someone I know. Um, I asked uh, Patrick Mulcahy, who's been in the community for a long time, and he he sponsored me into the group. And by this is a support group, you know, people talk about um, the master and slave lifestyle, and um, by listening to them, and also, I mean, that helped me um, think about what I like. And, and also by, I mean, initially it was a little bit intimidating for me to, to play, um, to take on the, the dominant role, uh, during play, during sex, because I never really did it in the past. So I didn't know quite how I felt, but I tried and then I found that I liked it. I think that's more. That's that's most important thing is is knowing, is I mean like why why would we do anything? It's because we like it. And from that, I, I got more and more into it, and and I think and since I've never, thought about. Um, submitting. I mean, I I tried once actually. Um, I remember I was in Europe, and I tried going down you know, on, on someone and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this, but I'm not really feeling it. It felt more perfunctory. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. Um, it didn't, I didn't really get much pleasure from it. So I, and I thought, well, I guess this is not really me, you know, whereas when someone is going down on me, who's sucking me or I really feel that control over the person. And I really, it's like a rush. You know, I really enjoy telling. I'm, I'm getting all excited. You know, just thinking about <laughs> it. You know, um, like I, I, I really enjoy being in control, telling the person what to do and how to do it. You know, I mean, get maybe deep down, I am a micromanager. You know, I mean, after all, I did go to school in management, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, like I'd, I'd say most masters like some form of micro management <laughs> uh, in right. some way or or um a more unkind way sometimes is that they're all control freaks sometimes in a good way sometimes in a not so good way <laughs> <laughs> well i joke with my friends and i say you know i i can be very motherly or fatherly so i can so i say i say, oh you know i'm like a mother master so, so so what so what does that mean like a mother master well i think it means um well i'm chinese and i guess you know people think of the tiger mother you know they talk about tiger moms and i guess i'm that way you know i i i'm strict i mean on my recon profile i, I say i'm an authoritarian sadistic master in some some ways i am sadistic i am authoritarian and I mean, perhaps it has to do with my upbringing you know having grown up in singapore is pretty much very rather authoritarian as well um and i come from a very strict family um but caring so i think that's where the motherly side comes in you know i care about what happens to um the people who serve me you know i don't have a slave now but if i do the way i see it is you know i would care about his well-being and and um like I say in my recon profile also that, you know, I would enjoy uh, hurting my slave, but I would never want to harm it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and to me, it's important that it, the slave is not just a slave, but it's also a well-rounded human being. You know, slaves have asked me, um, you know, I, I'm not interested in the slave who wants to disappear from, from the world. 
you know, I want a slave who is um, still engaged with the world. Um, ideally, um, I mean, if it doesn't have to work if if we can't afford it financially, but I think its mind has to be engaged with the world. Um, it has to, uh, and if it does go to work, yes, that's fine. But I want it to uh, be still connected with its friends, its family, its um, sexual and non-sexual interests. It has to be a well-rounded human being. And what what does that give give him you as a master, having the slave as a well-rounded being? Oh, so so much more. You know, I mean, I enjoy the whole idea of objectification. You know, it's very nasty. It's a very fun. But, you know, I want a slave where I can, um, whom I can talk to as well. You know, I like to uh, discuss many different issues, like world issues, um, about the arts, about politics, about science, you know, different issues. And what I would gain also is wisdom, you know, the things that the slave may know that I may not know. So I can learn. I, I, I believe that life is about about learning, about knowledge. So I try to get knowledge from all sources and, you know, ideally from the slave also. Um, and the more the slave, the more skills, the more knowledge a slave has, the more it's able to um, contribute to the relationship and also be able to serve me. Very good. Thank you. And um, one thing I wanted to ask, and we were speaking about it before we started recording. So um, when you refer to a slave, you use the pronoun it. Could you explain a bit about that and what your thinking is? Well, it's, uh, I've heard both sides of the issues. You know, I know that for some people it can be very, seen as very demeaning. Um, There is a part of that, yes, and it's, it's uh it's very objectifying, uh, which I find it hot. Um, I would agree, <laughs> <laughs> and and I would hope that uh, the slave that I eventually find would is comfortable with that too and enjoys it. Um, and it's I like it also because it's uh it sets us uh, apart from the vanilla relationship or even the regular uh, leather relationship Um, because the MS relationship is very unique. Um, It is a, I would say we are, the people who are in the MS lifestyle are a, we are a minority within the, I guess within even the gay community, within the uh, had, I mean, we are a minority within a minority within a minority. I guess I don't know to a power of three, perhaps. Um, <clears throat> so, so that's why I like the the, the pronoun it. It's uh, it's it, it signifies a special type of connection, and and yes, it does also uh, signify a a difference in in, in authority. It sets up a hierarchy between the master and the slave. Primarily, the reason is I just think it's hot. <laughs> Which is a good reason, I think. Thank you. It's, it's strange, like, for me as a slave, I've always liked the idea of that as well. But because so many of the masters I've kind of served or served in a more long-term manner haven't had English as their first language, this is something that hasn't happened as much because, of course, it's already complicated enough translating. So, you know, I always like hearing this from, from someone that, you know, some people do like using it. I totally understand what you, uh, you're saying or it is saying, <laughs> um, you know, thank you for allowing me to to use that pronoun with with you. My pleasure, because, sir. Uh, because it is not my slave. So that's the thing. I make I make a differentiation. Um, I think it's important to, even if somebody who comes to me who is a slave, I don't immediately treat it as a slave because it is a 
the person, excuse me, the person is a separate person. You know, I, I don't own that person. So unless the person chooses to, <clears throat> excuse me, gives consent and gives, gives me, gives me the authority, I feel that it is not my place to treat the person as a slave. So I want to be respectful of that person. I have the same issue too when I, when I talk to people who come from, uh, whose English is not uh, first, whose, whose English is not a first language, um, often they don't get the nuance between the pronoun you and the pronoun uh, uh, it. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so it's. Uh, so it's it's uh it's definitely well I suppose I could make it fun and turn it into a training session, <laughs> uh, which is something I like to do too. Which is um I believe more in positive reinforcement. Um, after all, you know we're talking about consensual slavery, um, so and I I don't find anything to be gained from from punishment really. Um, I think it's uh. It's much more rewarding and pleasing and effective to uh, train a slave using um, encouragement and and positive methods. I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, I I, am just kind of following on from using the pronouns and stuff. Um, I don't know whether you've come across this, sir, but one of the things that I came across at one point, which I thought was quite clever, was um, a slave should always refer to itself or themselves as your slave Mm. or master's slave. And the concept behind this was that, of course, the slave would always be referring themselves in relation to their ownership of them, the master. And then that would have quite a effect, you know, let's say medium term on them, the mind and stuff. Is this something you've come across before or had any viewpoints on? Yes, I've heard of that. I think um, it's, it can be a, a pretty effective method in having the slave be mindful of its um, ownership, of its... Uh, uh, place in relationship to its master or to the master, you know, because in, interestingly, we're talking about the mindset and how, if you notice, I just said its master. I mean, in mm-hmm. English, it master would mean that, could mean that the master belongs to the slave, but that's not really the case. So in some situations, it seems like it would be more appropriate to say the master. Um and um, which another point I like to bring up is um, something that I like to do is um, uh, let me rewind here a little bit. Um, I had earlier mentioned that when I meet a slave, the slave isn't my slave. So uh, I see the slave as a person with his full identity. And when, if I, if and when I do uh, decide to take on the slave or train the slave, let's put it that way. And and I, when I use the word train, I think of it in terms of like dating because um, I, I look at training as uh, I differentiate different periods of training, and training to me is a is like dating, is getting to know the slave. And it takes a while to get to know the person or the slave to for us to decide if we are a good match. And during that training period, um, I would like to reorient, reorientate its identity. So what I would like to do is to, or what I would do is to slowly uh, at different stages of the training introduce different terms so that it would slowly transition to become more my slave if that makes Mm -hmm. sense very much so let me just give an example like you were saying um so in the beginning you know um it can you know the slave can use um sir and not master and then Perhaps later it will use master to refer to me. 
And then, um, and, and in the beginning, it would just say, you know, uh, master instead of uh, your, your slave or, or um, the master. So changing certain words, I think, will help the slave think more of, think more of itself as being my slave. So, and, and it's a slow process and a deliberate one, I think. And what's interesting with that is that you would do it over time. So it's not like you just do it right from the beginning, but as and when the relationship's ready for it, then you would right, introduce right. one I of think, these concepts. You know, as I've gotten older, <laughs> I learned that uh, it's better to go uh, at a slow and steady pace. That way, uh, none of us are rushing into things, and it gives us time to decide if we are a good match. Um, you know, when I was younger, I was uh, so much ruled, I think, by my hormones that, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so easy to, you know, think with a little head rather than with a big head. Um, that often I get myself into situations thinking that that person is the right person and it, it doesn't work out. Um, I mean, even when I, since I came into the, um, into the master role, I've learned a lot in a very, very short time. Um, and one of the, the rules I've gone by nowadays is really to take it slow because I mean, I'm really serious about finding a, a slave and, um, it has to be the right right match it's strange i have a similar viewpoint like i'm starting to wear someone's chain but um you know as much as it's going really great it's like let's see what happens over a longer period of time uh uh, so uh in in terms of the uh like the caller even for me you know when i'm dating somebody it's going to take a while before the person earns the first caller Mm -hmm. and the first caller may may only just be a a piece of uh, a rope and then um, the next one may be uh, something more significant. It could be a leather uh, cord, you know, bef- I mean, it, it, it gives, <clears throat> it's like, uh, it's a slow progression of, of uh, one collar to another before it gets to the ultimate permanent collar. Oh, it's nicely welded on, like this one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes I, I have to say, I really, really love collars. And uh, I mean, I, I, and I like collars that are big and heavy um, just because uh, I can be a little bit evil. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like the look and, you know, and I think it's um, with the weight, the, the slave can feel that collar and I, I want it to feel that, that ownership yeah that's beautiful thank you so um you had mentioned punishment before so Mm -hmm. if i come back to that so is there any times you would use punishment sir because because it is um consensual slavery if i were to punish the slave the slave has to consent too (laughs) if the slave is really angry i think it would be very (laughs) hard At that moment, I think it would be very hard to to uh, to enforce uh, punishment. And I think in in that situation when when both parties are very in a heated argument and when both parties are very angry at each other, I think the last thing that I want to do is to enforce punishment at that time because the worst thing that could happen and is the person is the slave to say, no, I'm not going to do this. And, and the slave is going to be even more upset. And I'm going to be even more upset by the fact that it has refused to accept punishment. So I think it really defeats the purpose, which is to communicate um, and to communicate about what has gone wrong and how can we come back to um equilibrium i would say i think i think that makes sense i've been writing about it in my book recently Mm. and how you know punishment or let's say a sense of justice they Mm. should always come from a point of calmness 
So <laughs> if the master is legitimately pissed off with the slave for some reason, they need to calm down to then decide what it is they should do. They should not act from that point of, of let's say, intense emotion. Yes, I think it's um, when... I know that when I'm angry, I'd rather not... I think it's best not to deal with... Not to react immediately. I think it's best to let... Which is something I, I, I'm trying to work on, which is patience. It's uh, when I'm really upset, I'd rather just take a moment and let that feeling pass so that the emotion has, once the emotion has settled, then the logical brain, uh, brain can come in and process what has happened. And then that way I can better express myself and then bring up what is upsetting me to the slave in a calm in, in a calm manner and that way I, I rather have discussions than than arguments and is there a particular way you go about trying to make that happen sir the best thing is don't open my mouth when i'm angry <laughs> i don't think there is a one right way it's it's about it's about not reacting too fast but it don't i mean i know that but it doesn't always happen because sometimes i can snap too and I think, you know, we're all human and, and, and it's just sometimes we just lose our patience and sometimes we lose our temper. Um, yeah, I mean, I think back about the last time when I dated somebody who I thought was going to be, uh, I was dating somebody whom I was considering that it would be my slave. But there were many things that were amiss, that were not a match, but I was I did what my mother used to say. She would say that, um, you know, when you think of the bad, think of the good in that person. And I tried to do that with this person. And then I realized that um, I think what mom should have said was, well, okay, when you think of the bad, you must think of the good. But then if one way outweighs the other, then, you know, if the mm-hmm. bad outweighs the good, then, you know what, clearly it's not working at which, and and if it's, if the behavior is repeating itself, um, then you know that, and and that was what happened with this person. Um, basically, this person had a very short temper, and um, and it was repeating itself. And I knew at that point was that this is a personality trait, or perhaps it's just that. I was bringing that out of that person, let's put it that way, and that um, I was clearly, perhaps our energy is not a good match. So no matter what happens, uh, if I continue down on this road, this is what's going to repeat. And so I decided to um, extricate myself from that situation and, 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 and break off the relationship. And as, as you were talking, I... I kind of was thinking about how we can all get triggered as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and of course with power dynamics and let's say just intense BDSM scenes in general, you're much more likely to reach these triggers as you open up more and then something inadvertent happens. And I, I think then it's even more, more important for both parties to get to some point of calm or, to find a way to actually talk about it. I mean, it's strange because I was—I actually had a trigger a few mm. days a few days ago, mm. and um, it, I was able to control it this time and engage my rational brain, and I was really happy about that. But that doesn't happen all of the time because it's such a strong trigger in me. It is. It's, it's hard. I think it helps as we get. I think what helps, at least for me, is a couple of things: is age. Age does help. With age, hopefully, comes experience, and and also, I think what helps is like what you did to be aware of it. I mean, the first step to make any change is to be aware of what is happening and why it's happening, and then you can take steps to. And if you choose to take steps to make change, then at least that's possible. There is that possibility. Yes, very much. 
So um, I want to kind of just um, bring it to, to a different topic. So you said you're sort of Chinese from Singapore. Mm. So has this given you any unique viewpoints on the master-slave relationship? Or has it kind of helped in, in, in any way that would be different from, from me being like English from England? I don't know if my culture, cultural background has any advantage or any influence to to the um, the way I see the MS lifestyle or or has anything to do with me being a master or the way I um, view um, mastery. Um, but um, what I can say is, is that... Um, the way I behave as a master seems quite similar to the environment which I was brought up in, um, in terms of my own family, in terms of um, of uh, growing up in the in in, in, in Singapore. Um, so Singapore is uh, it's a country that is very strict. Um, there are Rules, rules, and I mean the, the laws are, are definitely enforced. And um, but I have to say, I mean the government is also very caring in the sense that it's uh, I mean some people look at it as a nanny state. It, it cares very well for its citizens. Um, similarly, I mean like my my family, my father was very strict, so was my mother. Um, but I know that. You know, typical of a, I suppose, of a, um, uh, of a more old-fashioned type family, or, or some people even might say of a Chinese culture, is that, you know, um, unlike Americans, um, um, which is where I live now in the U.S. in San Francisco, uh, from what I observed in the American culture is that they tend to verbalize how, how they feel. But in in the culture that I grew up in, you know, my father never said that he loved me. I don't recall him hugging me or anything like that. But I know that he loves me because uh, of what he does for me. I mean, he works very hard. He works really, really hard. And um, he made a lot of sacrifices to put me to college. And, you know, he was always very, uh, he's, he's a very thrifty person, but he would lavish on his children. Um, and whenever I wanted something, he would try his best to get it for me. Um, so in that sense, I can relate that way. Um, and I feel like my personality as a master is very similar to, you know, I'm very strict, you know, um, I, I expect, uh, rules and protocols to be followed, but I care a lot about, I know that I will care a lot about the slave, you know, about its well-being um, you know, it's, uh, it's physical health, it's mental health, both, you know, that's why I want it to be a well-rounded person. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, and then I'd like to just, just come. So, um, you run the, um, Mr. SF Eagle leather oh. 2022 award. So what was your kind of, um, thinking around that? Mm, how do you mean? So, so what made you want to go for the con and petition? Was oh, it the contest? Why did I run in a contest? Um, I mean, I think it really happened by chance. Um, what happened was that um, in 2021, um, I read an article in the third issue of the Recon magazine. That issue was... Uh, dedicated to people of color. Um, so in an, an article, it was about uh, a young Asian man who won the Mr. International, the 2016 Mr. International Rubber title. So after he won that title, um, he received many uh, racist comments and messages that really bothered me a lot. Uh, it was also the year 2021 was also the year when there was uh, a lot of uh, uh, attacks, physical attacks against um, uh, Asians, 
or any anyone who looked East Asian or Southeast Asian because of COVID. It's because of the COVID. Yes, correct. Mm. You know, coupled with that, you know, it, it really, really hit me really hard. And uh, I was just so bothered by it. Um, and I kept think, thinking, what can I do? Um, I, somehow the idea to run in a contest uh, came to my mind. And and then um, I was I still wasn't convinced I was going to do something like that. Because I don't know what is involved in it. I've never thought about running any any contests. Um, so then I talked to another title holder, a local San Francisco title, uh, and um, he told me that after he won his title, he received uh, racist and transphobic comments too. And so you know. Together with that, I mean, um, and then and it's just so happened at, at the same time. I heard that um, the Mister SF Eagle uh, contest was going to be happening, and I thought, you know, I really have to do something. So I, I mean, I went into the contest with the intention of just um, saying something about how I felt about you know uh, racism, and and from that. Um, you know, I never expected to win, but then that's what happened, you know. And then from that, um, it's, it's, become another, it's, it's become another thing, you know, uh, which is, you know, I'm going to IML. Wow. International Mr. Mr. Leather, yeah. Um, IML is in May, Correct. isn't it? It's yeah. the weekend of Memorial, um, the weekend of Memorial Day. And, and like what I was say, saying earlier from talking about racism, it's become an issue about inclusion and representation. And um, going to IML, I did some research um, about IML and other contests. And the interesting thing, which is what I found so far, is that um, none of the major competitions collect um, demographic uh, uh, racial and ethnic demographic information. And I had also approached the uh, Chicago, excuse me, the Leather Archives and um, Museum in, in, in Chicago, and they don't have that information also. And, you know, from, so I can only based on the photographs that I've seen on the IML website. And it looks to me that there's never, ever been an Asian leather man who won held held a uh, uh, IML title. I mean, uh, since its inception, like nineteen seventy nine, so that's forty three years, which is, I think, is very surprising. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's why I think it's very important that um, um, people of different races, including um, Asians, um, step up and be, be seen, be heard, be represented. And also I think it's important for them to, uh, for us to hold um, key positions and be seen in key positions. And hopefully that will make change minds and change hearts. And if there's anything I can ever do, please let me know. And Absolutely. Thank you very much. And, you know, this, having this interview helps to, to, uh, to bring the word out. Is there anything the listeners can do? You know, simply this, you know, um, okay, so I helped to organize the a Bluff events here in San Francisco. Bluff is uh, stands for Breaches Leather Uniform Fan Club. And um, while the organization is very much focused on gay leather men who are into the, you know, full leather outfit and all that. You know, mind you, um, when I first started, I didn't have all the money to buy all the gear. And, you know, a lot of the bluff guys like the really expensive stuff. I mean, so do I. So I am aware that how expensive leather can be. And, you know, if you're just starting out, you cannot afford all that gear. Um, and it's already intimidating enough. I remember when I first went into a, a, a leather bar, how intimidating it is, you know, looking at all these hot leather guys, looking very fierce. 
you know, but not knowing that they actually, you know, they talk about cake recipes and opera. <laughs> opera. I, I, you know, I had that in my mind as yeah, you were saying well, it. <laughs> so, you know, we're really pretty much like, you know, just, just, you know, a lot of us are really sweet people, you know, really cuddly people too. But, you know, on, on first, first impression, you know, they can be very intimidating. So what I'm trying to say is that what can we do is to be welcoming. If you see somebody who is standing there by himself and looking somewhat nervous and all that, go up and just say hello. I think that helps. And that's what we try to do too here at Bluff SF. Um, you know, during our events, I'm going to put a plot, you know, we have a, um, we have our, our Bluff Nights at the San Francisco Eagle. It's called Heart. It's the, uh, the second Friday of each month. And we have ambassadors, you know, people with badges that says ambassador. And that's what we do is we go up to people who who are there, you know, perhaps by themselves. And I say hello. And, and you know, it's just a few welcoming words and to make them feel more included, welcomed. Um, and, you know, it's a great way to, you know, I, I, I like having that badge because it's a great way for me to harass somebody and talk to somebody <laughs> who looks really hot. You know, it's it's uh, it's a great way to break the ice. I love that idea. As I remember how nervous I was when I first started mm-hmm. to go right. to a fetish bar and to some of the large larger fetish events. It was quite yeah. nerve wracking at first. Sure, sure. And you know what I try to do sometimes is uh, if the person is standing there by himself or even herself, you know, I say, hey, you know, I've got some friends here. I'd like you to meet. Would you like me to introduce you to them? You know, and um, I think that helps them too. It's a good way to make connections. Fantastic. So um, coming on to the final two questions. So what makes a good master or slave? Wow, I can, I can think of so many adjectives, you know, compassion, compassion, being compassionate, uh, empathetic, um, Honesty, transparency, um, communication is so important. You have to talk. It's not just about looking hot in, in leather or being the great greatest whipper, you know, um, um, or having a huge cock or anything like that. It's about, it's all in your heart. I believe it comes from the heart. It has to come from the heart. You have to care about the the slave. Um, for me, I look at, again, you know, I would love to hurt a slave, but I would never want to harm it. And mm-hmm. um, I look at it as like a, um, a prized diamond, perhaps. <laughs> or some people would say a, a, a really expensive sport car, sports car. You know, um, after all, the slave is my property, so I want to treat it with with great care. And I want to make sure that I can drive it for many, many, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles. <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. And then is there anything you'd like to see more in the fetish community? Hmm. I would like to see more diversity in terms of race, in terms of ethnicity, uh, sex and gender, and also age. Um, um, I'm not sure about in Europe, but in the US, you know, often there's also this divide between the older generation and the younger generation. Um, I, I suppose it has to do with my, again, my Asian upbringing that we, I've been taught to revere and respect my elders. And um, I'm always reminded of that the, the gifts and the rights and the, um, the enjoyments that I have of what, I, of what I'm able to enjoy now, the privileges I'm able to enjoy now often has to do with what the previous generation fought for. And um, so I have to thank them for that. And um, But also I have to be able to understand and be able to respect um, the, the likes 
and the new uh, forms of play that and the new fetishes of the younger generation. You know, I mean, just for example, you know, um, just because I'm not into puppy play myself doesn't mean that I should disrespect it. Um, you know, it's it's also another form of fetish. You know, and and if the younger generation enjoy it, enjoys it, that's great. You know, and I would also hope that the younger generation would respect and um, my my uh, interest and my desire for the full full gear look. So, just before we finish, is there anything else you'd like to say? Um. Yes, I'd like to thank you very much. You know, for approaching me and giving me this opportunity to to have this wonderful hour to um, talk to you. You know, and I hope to see you um, in September for for Berlin uh, for Folsom Europe in Berlin. And and Claw, I think. Oh yes, I'll be going to Claw. Yes, that's right. Wonderful. But thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much. And please take care of yourself, slave, and you know, be safe. And likewise, your audience. um, You know, thank you for their support. And you know, I wish them a fun, nasty time, and also be safe. If you'd like to be interviewed by me or know someone who would, you can get in touch with me at the email contact at masterslavelifestyle.com. You can now support the podcast, website and Masterslave community through Patreon membership, receive benefits such as early access to the podcast, exclusive video workshops and more, along with my thanks for supporting me. There is now a free download to help you take the next steps in the Masterslave lifestyle, suitable for both beginners and those who want a full-time relationship. Check out the show notes for more information on both. And if you're interested in finding out more on the 24-7 Total Power Exchange lifestyle, go to the website at masterslavelifestyle.com for more information. Thank you all for listening.